1: It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferentz Stoth. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, parents is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Parents cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ferentz Stoth. Welcome
2: to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and uh, we haven't discussed this recently, so we should bring this up about the Federal Reserve. There has not been a lot of news on the Federal Reserve since they decided in June to pause on interest rate hikes. Very recently, there was a conference where the Federal Reserve chairman, Jerome Powell, one of the questions, it was very interesting, he was asking him, and it was a conference with him and several of the other world banks, okay, the leaders of the World Banks. And the the question that was asked very directly of these uh, World Bank leaders was, are y- there any interest rate deductions or reductions on the horizon? And all of them agreed and stated that not only was there no interest rate reductions intended or uh, expected in uh, 2023, but also not in 2024. Now, that comes as news for a lot of people because – you know for so many for so long you know first we were hearing how inflation was transitory and of course that went away most of us understood that was a bunch of hooey but anyway that that whole idea went away eventually and then they were going to raise rates and most people thought after they raised them that they were going to drop them quickly especially once the peaks of inflation started to uh, come off. But the reality is, as I've been stating on this show from the very beginning, inflation is one of those things that's very sticky. It's very difficult. Once that genie is out of the bottle, it's really, really hard to put it back in. And it just tends to stick, kind of like peanut butter on the roof of your mouth, if you know what I'm saying. And the, the central banks, the world central banks, have finally come to that realization OK, and admitting, I, I think they knew all along, but actually admitting it. OK, so the fact is we're in a situation economically where uh, we should expect interest rates to be. Well, actually, they're really at more normal levels now, historically speaking. Um, for so many people, they feel high in uh, it. They feel high because the reality is we've had high interest rate or I'm sorry, low interest rates, historically low interest rates for uh, we for approximately 12 years. We had the lowest interest rate environment in the history of our country, literally since 1787, okay, that, for the longest period of time, the lowest and longest interest rate, low interest rate environment we have ever seen as a country. Of course, the uh, the central banks, you know, extended it far beyond what it should have been, far longer than it should have been. Most people understood that. Most people agree, you know, and even the central bank agrees today, far too late, of course, that they kept rates too low for too long. So now they have to keep rates mo- most likely where they're at, possibly even a little bit higher. But even though interest rates do feel high, they're actually histor- at, around historical norms. The fact that they are saying that they have no intention, no plans of lowering rates anytime in the rest of this year into all through next year, 2024 really comes as no surprise when you look at this as a hist- at a historical long-term perspective. Now what does that mean for our money, investments, assets, all that kind of stuff? Well, of course, in a higher interest rate environment, you know, real estate particularly tends to suffer more. Stock market to some degree also. Again, one of the things I always share is the things that worked really, really well in the past decade in a low interest rate environment, an easy monetary policy, you know, tend to not do so well in a environment where the uh, interest rates are more at a normal or high level. Right. And the things that struggled for the past decade, like fixed interest, fixed uh, investments, dividends, CDs, bank monies, things like that, those bonds, whatnot, those things that tended to struggle the last decade or so because of the low interest rate environment will now actually thrive in this new normal to maybe a little bit higher than normal interest rate environment as the central banks continue to try to fight inflation. Now, what that means for the pers- your personal bank is great news because I'll give you an example. I was talking to one of the CFOs. Well, the thing is what the great news is, and then I'll get into the detail, is again, in a more normal or higher a little higher than normal interest rate environment, dividends increase. So the rate of returns increase. And the thing we need to understand is, exciting about this whole situation for the personal bank in terms of dividends and returns and all that is, well, we've actually just gone through, like I said earlier, the lowest interest rate environment in the country's history for the longest period of time. From a return standpoint, you could say the dividends or the interest rate environment was these insurance companies. It was it was like their Great Depression in terms of returns, the lowest returns they've ever seen. And so the fact that they were able to still pay upwards of five seven five to six percent dividend through that whole entire period without missing a sing, without missing a beat, without missing a single year of paying dividends. And like I said, I have several companies that have never missed a dividend since literally before the Civil War, still have strong cash reserves, A-plus rated, and all that stuff. To come through that period of low returns, the lowest they've ever seen in the history of their companies, that's impressive. These companies are excited about the higher interest rates because dividends are going to go up. Their returns, their profits are going to go up. What a lot of people don't realize is that insurance companies, primarily, what do they invest? what, what do they invest the money in? And it's bonds, primarily corporate bonds. Upwards of seventy to eighty percent of a portfolio of a typical insurance company, a good quality one, that is, will be in bonds. And I was talking to the CFO, for example, of one of the companies not too long ago, and he mentioned that prior to the Federal Reserve a year about a year or so ago starting to raise rates, that they were getting a two percent profit on their bonds. And then as soon as the Fed announced that they were going to raise rates. They had not raised them yet. But as soon as they announced they were going to, they started getting 4% profit on their bonds. And other words, double. Their profit doubled on 75 80% of their portfolio. Folks, that's huge. Again, when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars invested, right? And obviously, since that time, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates at a faster percentage clip. At any time in their history, in over a hundred-year history, so the profits that these insurance companies are now making with the uh, with the higher interest rates on the you know means increasing dividends. The predictions that we're seeing, we're hearing from just nearly everyone, is that we are going to be in an increasing interest rate environment for at least easily the next three to five years, if not the next decade. And if the Fed and that holds true because if the Federal Reserve sticks to what they say they're going to do obviously things can change we all know that but they've been to be fair once the Fed got Federal Reserve got off the whole idea of that uh inflation was transitory that was just a joke I I'm almost I think almost any rational person understood that that was just a political that was just political theater and it was just it was not accurate it was not real it was a joke And it it didn't last long, and people kind of, they had to move on from that because it just became abundantly obvious that inflation was not transitory. But the fact is, since that point, the Federal Reserve has done a very good job of projecting what they're going to do and, and for the most part, have actually followed through on that. By them stating there's no intention, no plans of reducing interest rates through 2024, that means we're going to be in a uh, solid interest rate, relatively on the uh, historical average, or maybe on the little bit on the high side, these bonds that these insurance companies are purchasing are giving, getting them a higher return. They're making more profit, and dividends are profits of the company, folks. So they pay a higher dividend. And to give you, uh, give you an idea, a little bit of perspective, historical averages. When you go back and look, the historical average of dividends on these personal bank policies average around 7 8%. That's the historical norm. If you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, that was what they were paying because, again, that was really the last normal interest rate environment that we have experienced. So they will be, you know, right now at 575 to 6%. That's the low end. We expect it to go up. We expect it to go up for the next number of years. And, folks, that is great news for anyone who's looking at investing money safely with some guarantees, income tax-free, having high liquidity, and it's also great news for our future positive arbitrage. Because as dividends continue to increase and we earn more on the money, and then as the interest rates then at some point slide back, to, back down maybe a little bit, we'll start getting a little bit lower borrowing costs, and that's where we get the positive arbitrage or positive cash flow. In other words you're earning more in dividends than you're getting charged in interest when you access the money, so therefore you keep the difference. And historically speaking, most of the time that's exactly what happens. As dividends increase, we could see a scenario, I, I foresee a scenario quite likely where we have higher increasing dividends and then the interest rates slide back a bit, and the borrowing costs go back down further and we get a an uh, increasingly widening gap In terms of what we're earning versus what we're getting charged when we access the money and getting more a higher positive arbitrage than maybe we've seen in quite some time so it's pretty exciting time for the personal bank returns the dividends you know again it's going to thrive in a normal or higher than normal interest rate environment or maybe some other assets like real estate and the stock market have struggled they thrived last decade this next day, decade may be the decade of guaranteed investments and dividends and such like that. I'm going to go into this a little further in depth, and so I'm going to really encourage you not to miss this. So stay tuned in the next, next segment because we're going to go into this and share how you can really benefit from this and increase the amount of money you have available each and every year going forward, how you can build wealth, continue to do what you're doing, but Add additional return on your money on top of it. In other words, get your money to work for you uh, more than one time. This is even more important in a period of time where interest rates and, and particularly inflation are at higher than normal levels. Look, interest rates are about normal levels historically, but inflation is not. Inflation is still much higher, about double roughly, of what normal levels are historically. So you've got to make your money work for you. You've got to make it work for you more than once. You've got to make it go further because of inflation is definitely eating away at the value of your dollar. So your dollar better do more for you if you just want to keep up even, much less get ahead. So I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to go into that further. Don't miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toth. Want more information? Contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toast.
2: welcome back to the Euro Personal Bank Show. this is Ferenc. So as I've been discussing in the first segment, the rising interest rate environment is definitely going to be a boon a benefit in terms of dividends, increasing dividend rate environment. you know what they always say buy low sell high right Well we just the the dividend industry the interest rates, the lowest interest rates in history we're talk, the history of the country. So we're not even talking about a generational low. We're talking about a uh, historical country, (laughs) a history of the country low in terms of interest rates and dividends. And that, of course, has gone up. The uh, interest rates have gone up dramatically. Therefore, the dividends will be going up accordingly. Now, they'll move slower than the banks. The banks change their rates monthly, okay? And the insurance companies change their dividends annually. So they're catching up. It's going to take them time to catch up. They will. But that's interesting because they're slow to, mo- slow to move on the way up. They're also slow to move on the way down. So even if the banks go up and then slide back down some, they'll still, the insurance companies will still be on a rise for a while because they just average things out over like 30-year periods, folks, 20- and 30-year periods. So that's how they kind of level things out and make it more smooth. But, again, it's going to be an incline, rising incline. That's why we say even if the Federal Reserve stops raising rates, even if they stop now, which is un- uncertain if there's talk still of them raising some more. We'll see. But even if they stop now, the the dividends are going to go up for the next number of years because they're just going to gradually go up as they get back to norm, if you know what I'm saying. The, I was just talking to a, a prospective client just a few minutes ago before this I started recording the show. As I've been saying to him and many, many other folks, the reality is this, the number one question I'm receiving right now, I'll just tell you right now, the number one question I'm getting is where should I put my money? And that's a very valid question because so many people are used to that low interest rate environment for the past dozen years, okay? That easy monetary policy, if you will, which meant if you bought stocks or real estate, for the most part, they probably went up. And that's how it worked because those types of assets really shine, really they increase in value when interest rates are low. On top of that, over the last few years, the Federal Reserve was even purchasing assets, purchasing stocks, bonds, mortgage-backed securities, which further increased those asset values, right? The things that do well, thrive, if you will, in a low interest rate environment, stocks, real estate, for example, will then tend to not do so well in a higher interest rate environment. Vice versa, the things that struggled in that low interest rate environment, guaranteed assets, bank money, bonds, dividends, those types of things that struggled in a low interest rate environment will now thrive. In other words, the Federal Reserve has completely flip-flopped our economy. And they always say, don't fight the Fed. They're right. They're the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They have completely flipped the economy. So the stuff that worked before, I'm not saying it won't work at all in the future, but it's certainly not going to work nearly as well as it did before. And the things that did not work so well, of course, will now thrive more. So where should you put your money? Where do I see the smart money going? Where's a lot of the smart money? It's in the guaranteed investment stuff. It's in the bank money. It's in the in the dividends. It's in the bonds, the personal bank policies, all of those things, because those are things that are paying four and five and six percent interest right now. Likely you'll pay more. And that if you take, say, a six percent return like the personal bank policy dividends will pay, for example, and you add on top of that get tax income tax free if we set it up properly, which of course we do, right? You look at six percent guaranteed with guarantees and tax free, that starts competing very favorably against say, a portfolio in the stock market or real estate portfolio, and we all know, of course, those have risk, okay? They just do. Well, if you can have some guarantees and to be tax-free and it's consistent and steady and on the rise and likely to be on the rise for the next several years, well, that's one of the reasons I like the personal bank policy so much because, Again, 50 to 90% of your money will be liquid day one, depending on how we structure it. And I can show you how that works. But the bottom line is you have a tremendous amount of liquidity day one in addition to the guarantees and the solid returns and the increasing dividend environment we're in. You know, with, with that liquidity, it takes away the one real big negative you typically see with guaranteed or insured whatnot type of investments. That is just taken off the table. And the beauty of that is this. If you have access to the to your monies, the majority of your monies, day one, and then you see I've shared on this show a number of times. I still believe we're going to be going into a recession. All the leading economic indicators are pointing to that. If we do indeed go into a recession, then there will be opportunities to buy assets things like stocks or real estate or whatever, low points, Uh, buy low, sell high, right? You'll have the opportunity to buy something at a price that is very favorable that maybe you haven't had the opportunity to purchase at that price for a number of years even. And if the money is cooking along, just making, you know, making its return, and it has, it has guarantees and tax-free and all that good stuff, but then on top of all that, it's liquid, highly liquid, and when you access it, you can get positive arbitrage, my gosh, folks, you can take advantage of those opportunities when they do present themselves, okay? You can pull the trigger and say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we've done this personally in our own lives. Whether it's, you know, investing in another asset or purchasing an item. You know, there's things out there already because of the economy slowing down, people are, because of the interest rate's increasing. You know, it's no secret. Real estate values in a lot of places have started to come down. My opinion is, I don't think that's done. It's done yet. Most and most people's opinion is that. Most experts, we'll see. But there's other things you can purchase these days that the value, the the, the Selling price, if you will, was much higher even just a few months ago or a year ago than it is today. And maybe there's an item or something you wanted to purchase that you say, hey, I've been wanting that or needing that, and I didn't want to pay that much for it, you know, six months ago. But now you could. And if you have money to access in these policies, you can access it at little or no cost. Folks, that's the other thing. Instead of, say, purchasing a vehicle – or an RV or whatever that may be instead of financing that item maybe you can access it from your policy as we have done and you have little or no borrowing costs so guess what happens you know if you look at a new car loan today credit you're probably 7 8% okay and other other purchases like an RV or something could be even more than that interest rate wise what if you just eliminated that interest rate cost the cost of that purchase just got a lot less Because you're not paying any interest on it. And on top of all that, it's even better than paying cash. Because if you pay cash, of course, you actually give up the ability of that cash to earn interest for you in the future ever again for the rest of your life. You give up that cash to purchase that car, for example. You get the car, yes, but you don't get the return on the money in the future, that money's gone. You traded the dollars for the car, right? Well, if you access, instead, put in the policy, then access the funds through the policy, as we have done ourselves personally recently, you can then actually earn interest on that money because the money in the policy is still earning dividends. The gross cash value is still getting dividends. And then you have an interest. They charge an interest rate against it. And the dividend is typically higher than the interest rate they charge. You get to keep the difference. So guess what, folks? When you buy that car, you buy that RV, you buy that item, whatever that may be, as we have done again personally, you still earn some interest on that money. And as dividends likely are be going higher, as I stated in the previous segment, because of the higher interest rate environment, we expect increasing dividends for the next number of years. Guess what? That money that was spent to buy that car is actually going to earn more and more dividends for you. And as long as, again, the borrowing cost is less than the dividends you're earning, you keep the difference. And, again, that's been true for 42 the last 43 years. We're in a situation this year where it's odd, but we're almost at a break-even even even this year. The beauty is the cost of borrowing, would you rather pay something like 0.4% to borrow money today, even though we have an odd situation with this year, or seven, eight, nine percent on a new car purchase, for example. The difference is obvious, okay? And in normal scenarios, normal years, the difference is a positive. In other words, you're earning more in int- dividends and you're getting charged in interest. So that new car purchase, the money you use to purchase that car, if you were going to pay cash, you're still making a little bit of interest on it. And look, if you just make one percent, let's say you make a one percent positive arbitrage, you're getting paid one percent more than you're getting charged. That's 1% you're earning on money you wouldn't have had any other way. In other words, you use that money to purchase a vehicle, for example. You know, you were using our example. Or any other item for that matter. If you're going to purchase items anyway, and folks do, we, let's face it, we buy things, okay? Human beings, we buy stuff, and we, fi- we either pay cash for those things or we finance it, right? We're either going to earn interest on that money when we purchase those items or somebody else is. And that is the law. <laughs> That is a law of uh, lost what's called the lost opportunity cost maybe in the next segment I'll get into this a little further. The point is wealthy folks understand lost opportunity cost most people with you know unfortunately financial literacy is is lacking in this in this country most people don't I'm going to touch on that some more because I think this is a very very valuable topic that needs to be discussed further so I'm really going to encourage you don't miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferentz. For more information, contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferentz Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferentz at 866 268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com that's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Tóth.
2: Welcome back to your personal bank show. This is Ferenc. So I at the end of the last segment, I really got onto something that uh, I think I find most people don't really have a firm grasp on. And it's a financial literacy concept called Lost Opportunity Cost. And unfortunately, most of us are not taught financial literacy in school or by our families or parents or anyone else for that matter. And unfortunately, we're kind of left on our own. I mean, let's face it, who was actually taught how to balance a checkbook? You know, let me give you a quick little secret. So I learned this one, believe it or not, from Oprah Winfrey of all, all places, but it was a fantastic financial literacy Uh, Key. You know, if you don't, you hate balancing checkbooks, and you know, most people pay bills online now and all this. I do too. But I've never liked balancing a checkbook, right? Well, here's the thing particularly if you run a business where you run a lot of volume of funds in and out, it's really a tedious task to do that. So, this is something I've done for, gosh, 15 years at least, something like that. You have actually two accounts, and I've taught this to many of my clients, and particularly my business clients. You have two accounts. You have an income account and an expense account. All your income goes into that income account. So if you have vendors that pay you or customers that pay you or whatever, they pay you into or, you know, you you can apply this personally, you know, your paycheck, whatever it may be. Anybody that pays you goes into that income account. Now, this is valuable. The uh, the other thing about the income account is you never never establish a check. You never write a check or even have a checkbook to it. You don't have a debit card to it, nothing, ever. Why? This is super important. The only people that know about that account are the ones that are putting money in it. It will just about completely eliminate any fraud out there because nobody knows about the account. You're not using a debit card off it. You're not writing any checks. I've had zero issues for over a decade with our business income account, because no one knows about it except for the people putting money in it. Now, you the second account you have is a uh, debit account or an expense account. That's where you pay all your bills. That's where you have your uh, bill pay, your um, your uh, debit cards, checks, whatever it is you use to pay bills, pay expenses. Okay, You only keep a balance in there to cover whatever expenses you have. Personally, I generally pay bills on a monthly basis. Everyone's different. But you figure out how much you have in expenses for the month. You transfer, do an online transfer from your income account to your expense account, pay all the bills, have a few bucks left over just to make sure nothing nothing goes wrong. All the bills are paid. And guess what? Whatever's left over in your income account is your profit. You never, ever have to balance a checkbook. And it also does a lot to eliminate fraud. So, there's a little tip that some of you might enjoy and appreciate. Now, let me get back to the lost, lost opportunity cost because that one was a simple one. Lost opportunity cost is a little bit more complex, but, but also is very, very important, very valuable. And what lost opportunity cost comes down to is this. And, and before I get to that, even, I, I just want to share this why it's so important is because it's, it's about understanding how to manage money wisely. How do you manage money and make sure you're doing the you're being the wisest, the smartest you can about managing strategically the money that you do have? Lost opportunity cost is a huge key that I see is probably the number one uh, misused financial literacy tool that's just not used by the middle class average Americans. And okay, so this is what it is: you have some money, and you want to purchase an item. I'm going to use a car as an example, but this that whatever you purchase, it doesn't matter. Whatever you purchase, it can be small, large, anything in between, this principle applies. And what it is is you have a choice, and particularly with larger ticket items like vehicles, if you want to purchase a car, you have a choice. You can either pay cash for it or you can finance it. What you'll have a lot of people say is, well, the best way to do it is pay cash because you don't pay have to pay any interest or finance charges or any of those kinds of things. And, and, and they're pars- they are correct in that statement that you do not have to pay the extra interest, finance charges fees, whatever that may be. That's true. But what what the person that's paying cash is missing when you trade that dollar for that item. So if you spend money on a car, for example, you pay cash, that cash is now forever gone from your control. You took it out of your pocket. You gave it to the car dealer or whoever you bought the car from, for example, and they traded, you traded those dollars for the vehicle, right? Now, yes, you have a vehicle. That's all well and good, but what about those dollars? Well, somebody else has those. Will you, here's the key question you need to understand and understand lost opportunity cost. Will you ever benefit from those dollars at any point? For the rest of your life? And the answer is obvious. When you trade those dollars for that vehicle or any other item you purchase, those dollars are gone and they are gone forever. Folks, that's a key point you need to understand. Forever. Why is that so important? Well, what if those dollars could have just earned you 1% interest? Just 1%. The reality is, they would generate a lot more dollars. That interest would generate a lot more interest back to you than you would have had in the first place. But then the question always comes up, but I want to buy or I need to buy this car. Okay, I get that. That's where the personal bank comes into play. The personal bank policy allows you to put the money in the policy to earn dividends, earn interest. You're gaining on the money. And then you decide you want to buy that same car. Instead of paying cash for it and giving up control of that money, you still actually maintain control of those dollars. What does that mean? means you continue to earn dividends on it. Why? Because what are you doing? When you purchase that car, you're actually borrowing the money. You're accessing the money, typically, in most cases, from a bank line of credit. That's how we typically do it. Now, if you are accessing the money from the bank line of credit, are you getting the money from the insurance company or the bank? And the answer, of course, is the bank. What's the money doing at the insurance company that you gave them? Earning dividends. Every year, with guarantees, compound every single year for the rest of your life. Folks, if you understand compound interest, this is a powerful tool. Uh, It's been attributed, Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. I don't know if Einstein said it or not, but it's definitely a powerful, powerful concept. Compound interest means your money grows every year at an increasing rate you have more and more and more money every single year. On the borrowing side, this is where people get hung up. This is where they get messed up because we get told, never borrow, never have debt. Again, that's another financial concept I've talked about in other shows, or you can go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to it anytime you'll, this or any of the other shows, and you'll find where I talk about strategic debt versus consumer debt. We all know that all debt Not all debt is bad. If you ask any real estate investor, anyone who owns real estate, and they took a mortgage to purchase the rental property and then rent it out, and their rental income is greater than their expenses, that's called positive arbitrage or positive cash flow, right? Can you earn, can you grow wealth that way? And the answer is, of course, we all know that you can grow wealth that way. And guess what? You took on debt to grow that wealth, didn't you? That is called strategic debt. In other words, you're earning more than you're getting charged, and you're keeping the difference. That's your profit. That's your positive cash flow. That's your positive arbitrage. Well, what if you could do that with money? Think about that a minute. I'll say it again. What if you could create positive cash flow with your money? We understand how you can do it with real estate, with rental property. What if you could do it with money? Folks, you can. Again, you put it in the policy. They pay the dividends. Who's paying the dividends? Are the gains based on you or somebody else? Based on someone else. It's based on the insurance company paying dividends and the money growing, right? Now, when you borrow it, you borrow from the bank line of credit. Where are you taking the money from? The insurance company or the bank? Again, the answer is the bank. The bank's going to charge you interest. As long as the interest is less than the dividends you're earning, you keep the difference. That's called positive arbitrage or positive cash flow. You are doing the same thing with money that real estate investors are doing with rental properties when they take loans, mortgages against property to rent, then rent the property out for rental income, and they're keeping the difference. Folks, what's the difference? Now, there's an advantage, by the way, to getting positive income off of money. One, the dividends you're earning, there's guarantees. It's also tax-free. You know, there's no, rent, there's no rental uh, people to deal with, okay? <laughs> There's there's no toilets to fix. That's a joke I always hear.'m I'm I'm saying I'm not being negative to re- rental real estate. understand, but under please understand the difference. There's no toilets to fix. It's your money. And then when you access the money and to spend it, purchase an item, whatever it may be, you're keeping the difference. You're still earning interest dividends on that money for the rest of your life, and you can stew that even this year. so and every year, the rest of your life. Think about that a minute. How much more money would you have if you were able to gain just, say, 1% interest on all the money you spend? I know that doesn't sound like much, but you add it up. You put a pencil to that, and you start to realize, you start calculating out what that is, and that, folks, turns into a tremendous amount of money over your lifetime. Look, you're going to take money, and you're going to purchase items. You're going to buy cars, vehicles, whatever, over your lifetime, Those things are going to happen. We're human beings. We buy stuff. We buy food. We buy clothes. We buy shelter. Okay, we do those things. What if you could get some positive cash flow from your purchases? You would have more money. You'd have more money each and every year going forward. You were going to buy those things anyway. I didn't tell you to do that. You're going to do it anyway. You either benefit from it or the lender benefits from it. Because the last way to purchase when you finance, of course, we all know you not only pay the purchase price, but you pay interest to the lender, which means it costs even more. And guess who benefits from that? Who gets benefits from that cash flow? The lender. It's up to you. You can keep funding these lenders. Trust me, they're doing fine. They're making money. Or you can decide to stop and keep that money and have that cash flow come to you. It's up to you. It's your choice. If you want to learn more, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. Stay tuned in the last segment. i got some fun stuff I want to share with you and uh, some interesting stuff, and some I think will even make you laugh, so don't miss it.
1: Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ference Toth.
2: Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference So I've been covering a lot of stuff about interest rates and the Federal Reserve and and uh, lost opportunity cost. how you can earn positive cash flow on your money just like re- real estate investors do with rental property it, look if you missed it go to your personal you can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows uh I, I even i say so myself it was really good so uh you'll learn a lot and be very beneficial so I really encourage you to do that the last thing i want to share this last uh little bit of time we've got left is seeing some things on the fiscal political front that are encouraging and uh just you know you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I've been pretty frustrated about a lot of things, uh, particularly on the political side of things and, and fi- fiscally, fiscally speaking, because there's just so little fiscal responsibility out there. It's just frustrating on the political arena and with our government. But there's some some positive things, and you know, we need to share that to not get totally discouraged because it's not not all is lost. And here's one of them. So Republican lawmakers in Wisconsin voted thir- voted to cut. $32 million from the University of Wisconsin's budget due to the promotion of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, these DEI programs. And the state lawmakers, and this is great, say the $32 million cut is the amount the, the Wisconsin University is spending on DEI and initiatives. They're, they just want it cut all together. And so this is brilliant. In other words, you want to get at something. You want to get to somebody, you know, you'll <laughs> – you, you take their money, and it also this is another way. It's the old carrot and the stick. I love this. They said the lawmakers could get the thirty-two million dollars back if they show the money could be spent elsewhere. So, in other words, the university can get this thirty-two million bucks, and folks, that's a lot of money. If they stop focusing on on these issues, trying to force these students into a view, you know, worldview of race and gender, economic class, and that kind of junk. Okay, let's let's put this way: it's garbage. Let's be real and use it to something more productive. It's a shame. It's sad. They're spending thirty-two million dollars, one university, one state university, on just on race, racial initiatives and equity and diversity. And and frankly, we've talked about it many times. It's it's very it's just racist to to view a per, view person on the lens of skin color of any type. Is it's right? That's definition of racism. And for them to spend that kind of money promoting that kind of junk and that garbage, uh, you know, we fought a civil war over that to get rid of it, I thought. We had a civil rights uh, movement that got rid of a lot of that stuff. And now for it to come back and rear its ugly head again, that's just, you know, it's sick. I'm sorry. It's evil, it's sick, and it's sad. That's uh, <laughs> Without getting into a lot more, I think I just said all I need to say about that. But I love, I love the the way to attack it. You know, just cut the funding. That's the way you get at these people and these initiatives and these race these racists who want to promote racism. I just you know, I think it's awesome, and I I would love I hope we see more. I, I hope this is the beginning of uh, we're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff. In fact, another example is the BlackRock CEO, um, you know, where they 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 have all these DEI initiatives, and they've been pushing really hard for companies to. Uh, How should I say um, promote these kind of these DEI programs instead of sticking to the fiduciary responsibility of maximizing shareholders um, returns, which is what they're supposed to be doing. But, uh, you know, Florida pulled uh, two billion in assets that was from BlackRock and he admitted he said uh, the CEO of uh, BlackRock admitted it hurt us. And so, again, that's where that's where you get things done. You pull the money from them. Whenever you have a, a, a opportunity to do that, you you just pull the money, okay? And I think that's the best way to go. Another bit of news I thought was interesting, and this was from Newt Gingrich. This is something I uh, I've always kind of whether you like him or do didn't like him. I don't think that makes a whole lot of difference, frankly. Uh, I've always found him to be fairly astute from a political standpoint. See, he's a he was a political operator, okay? He was a former uh, former uh, what is it? Uh, oh. House, House, um, what is it? He was the House. You know what I'm saying, House leader. So anyway, bottom line is, he said uh, he's saying some things about what I thought was interesting. Some things he was saying is, you know, Republicans and Independents are watching inflation, the southern, the border, rising crime, social policies, deficits, you know, decline of American prestige, and you know they just wonder how an administration with all these failures could be renominated and you know i have to admit i i have often thought that myself it's like this is a this is a train wreck of an administration it's a complete and total disaster area i can't think of anything that they do have done that's positive hopelessly incompetent it seems like you know or, or just intentionally just evil frankly in my opinion but whatever so the reality is they like his policies of what he's doing because their their goal their purpose is to get as much money, power, control from the government. They want to suck from the government as much as they can. That's why we have such fiscal irresponsibility. In fact, it's not about fiscal responsibility at all. It's about how much can they money, power, whatever benefits they can get to their groups to um, then reelect them in a way, and I've said this before, it it's like bribery. It's it's like the Democratic Party has these different groups like the teachers unions or whatever, and if they can get enough money to them, then they make sure they'll vote for them, okay? And that's really what it, it it's it's not it's not it's not good. It's not uplifting, it's not encouraging. It's just it is. It's about show, show me the money. Follow the money. That's why I always say, if you want to really want to understand something, I'm not saying I agree with any of this. But what I am saying is it kind of rings the bell. It rings true because you see what's happened. You see what's going on, and you see how they operate, and you realize, yeah, it really is nothing more than, hey, it's following the money. If the Democrats shovel more money to them, they're happy, and they'll vote them back in because and, and what, what do the politicians want? To Be elected, reelected, all that good stuff. They want power, right? So it's a, it's a power-sharing agreement. You know, the politicians shovel money to the groups. The groups vote in the politicians, so they get power. And it's nothing more than that. It's sad. It's it, it it appeals to the baser human human emotions of greed, things like that. It's not like I said. It's not. It doesn't aspire to the higher ideals in any way, any way, shape, or form. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many. Uh, if you will, folks on the more the conservative side of things, independents, whatever, who do aspire for something better, something for better for themselves, for their families, for their careers, their businesses, for their country. You know, it's, it's an uplifting message. It's, uh, you know, you know, you know, being patriotic. You feel, you know, I, I was in the military. I get it. You have that patriotism, all those things. And you want to aspire for something greater and you want to try to achieve something more. That's not how these people think. That's not how they operate. They just want to, they just want, give me more, give me more, give me more. And if you give me more, I'll vote for you so you can give me more. As long as you give me more, I'll vote for you again. It it appeals to the baser instincts. Sad but true. The last thing I want to share on this, and this is where I get some hope again from some of these things. Every movement, things like this, where things go too far one way, they do have, they have a tendency to over overreach and then you have a usually equal if not stronger counter uh <laughs> movement if you will and i love that and and i don't know what it's going to take for these people to realize enough's enough but maybe this might be the one and see you'll remember the alamo moment and it says new york city is threatening pizzerias and with coal and wood fire ovens to cut carbon emissions which would destroy their new york pizza period look new yorkers love their pizza Even the liberal ones. And if these libbies get them to, in essence, destroy, I mean, they're they're going after stupid stuff now. I mean, there's like 100 pizzerias. How much carbon emissions can they really give off? It's a tiny, minuscule amount. Give me a break in the whole big scheme of things. But the bottom line is, if it destroys New York pizza, there's going to be a lot of pissed off New Yorkers, okay? And maybe that'll be the moment where they'll say, you know what? This government has overreached. It's too much, too far. I'm done. I've had it. Vote the bums out. Let's replace them. Get somebody else in there that will actually replace, will represent us instead of just shoveling money to these special interest groups, and maybe this country can start going in the right direction. That's what I hope. I don't know if it's going to be a pizza or something else. One of these days, something's going to break, and the dam's going to break. And I think we're closer to it than we are farther away. That's my encouragement about it. That's my encouraging message. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned to Your Personal Bank Show next week. And as long as it's still on our money, I will say this, in God we trust.
1: Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com.